Give it up for our worship team, man. What awesome worship tonight. We are always so grateful and thankful, you know. These guys pay a price, man, for us to be able to experience the kind of worship that we have in this place. And, you know, this is actually a true statement. People literally drive hours to come here sometimes. And, uh, and it's amazing to me at the testimonies that I hear from people because it just what they experience and encounter God in this, in this prayer room is, is life-changing. And um, I'm so grateful and thankful for these guys who literally just pay a price for us to, uh, to encounter God through worship like we do here. God is so good. I'm excited to jump into this message with you tonight. Before I do, I just want to say a quick prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your, this word has truth in it. Lord, I pray that, that, Lord God, you would give us eyes to see and ears to understand what your word says tonight. Lord, I pray that uh, as your word tells us that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And God, I pray that you would release that over us tonight and those who are watching through the internet. God, we just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And just, just bless everyone who's watching on the live stream right now. We're just thankful that you guys participate every week with us, people watching all over the world and, and all over the United States. And we're just thankful for our partners that are around the country. Um, the last several weeks I've been talking about engaging culture. And uh, one of our templates that I've been using is the life of Daniel and uh, looking at the book of Daniel and how Daniel and his friends um, are a little bit of a model for us today of, of what does it look like to be a follower of this one true God in a perverse generation, in a culture, in a society that is completely anti-against what you believe. And if you look at the book of Daniel, you see these guys are confronted with every kind of unimaginable just scenario of, of just obstacle and challenge and life-threatening situations because of what they believe. And I feel like we are in a time in our society where we need discernment. We need wisdom. We need understanding. And it's going to be those who have the spirit of God inside of them that's going to have understanding for the time that they live. And God has put his spirit inside of you so that you could have wisdom, so you can have discernment. And, you know, as I'm just as you watch the news, as you as you see what's going on in our culture around the world, it's real easy to allow a spirit of fear to enter in. It's real easy to take what you see on the news and allow that to, to put a burden on you. But see, the difference is we need to take what we see uh, on, the, in the, on the newsroom and bring it to the prayer room and get heavenly perspective. Does that make sense? We need real understanding of what to do with a spirit of fear. Do you know what you do with a spirit of fear? You cast him out. That's what you do. You don't interview it. You don't talk to it. You don't allow it to just build a root system in your mind, in your heart. You know what you do with it? You grab it and you pluck it up from its root system and you give it no place in your life. Because a spirit of fear will dictate and control your life if you allow it. Last uh, week, I started looking at the book of Revelation a little bit and talked about the victory of the Lamb. And, and I started teaching on that, you know, Revelation... Uh, uh, 13 says that uh, Jesus 
was slain before the foundation of the earth. He says this, it says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. So we know that, that this was not like, you know, God's alternative plan for humanity, that, 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 that Jesus was going to have to die for the sin of the world. We know it was already in the mind of God that, that his son was going to come to the earth, live a perfect sinless life to redeem people just like you and me. That we were not going to be perfect. We were going to be broken. We were going to be sinful. And he was going to be what we needed to to be made right with God. Sometimes, you know, I think some people feel like it's like God sitting down at a chessboard playing chess with the devil. And it's kind of like he's still having to figure out, you know, what move to make to win. He he won from the get-go, man. It was checkmate from the beginning. Okay, so you need to live your life not with an anticipation of fear. You need to live your life with victory. And tonight's message goes from just being the victory of the lamb of talking about the overcoming generation. That because there was the lamb was victorious because of what Jesus did on the cross, that he was worthy, as we found out, to uh, open the, to, to break the seals on the scroll and to look at what was inside the scroll. He's the worthy one. And he was, he was victorious. You now have the opportunity of being a victor with Jesus and overcoming the spirit of this age. And that's exciting. I want to read to you what is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. I'm going to read a a decent chunk of scripture tonight, and then I'm going to read some things in Revelation. I'm going to try to synthesize this and, and, and help you understand what we, what does it mean to be an overcomer? Because let me tell, let me say this, in order to be an overcomer, it must mean that there's a challenge that has to be overcame, right? Just the very nature of the phrase. The Bible says, Jesus tells us that he overcame the world. Jesus also told his disciples, in this life you will have trouble, but I overcame the world. What does that really mean? What did Jesus overcome? First of all, he overcame his own flesh. He denied his flesh and, and stayed true to the mission on his life. He did not give in to temptation. He did not sin. He overcame the false accusations of men. He overcame the persecution of man. He overcame the suffering that he endured as he walked to the cross, carrying his own cross. As he had been flogged and beaten and his flesh had been ripped off his body, he never gave in. He completely overcame. And he tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And he says, you too can be an overcomer. So what does that tell me? That tells me that you and I are not to live the rest of our life giving into the lusts of our flesh, that we have a spirit of an overcomer inside of us. The spirit of Christ overcame the flesh. That we can overcome the accusations of man. That we don't have to allow the political and social environment that you and I live in and allow that to control our life that we can actually live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But let me say this, living out what it means to be a follower of Jesus comes with a price. It comes with a price. And it's the reason why the Bible tells us to die to ourselves, because there is a price that is paid. One day Jesus was hanging out with his disciples and 
he gets ready to tell them a story. And, uh, you know, everybody's fascinated with like the end time stuff. You know, everybody's, you watch the news, you listen to stories and everybody's kind of like, even, even Jesus' disciples are like, you know, when, when's the last day coming? You know, it's like people want to know when is the end? And it's kind of exciting. Um, and sometimes when you read about what's, you know, happening at the end, you find out that there's, this is a climactic story. It's kind of like watching a movie. Things get worse before they get better. And it can maybe feel that way for a minute. You know, it kind of reminds you of, you know, acne back in the day. It's like you, they give you this cream and you're like, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I don't want your cream then. I'd rather stay where it's at. You know, <laughs> anyway, let me read. Let's, let's read the Bible. <laughs> Matthew 24, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Hold up. Wait a minute. The disciples' brains are already frozen right there. It's like, what are you talking about? All these stones, not one of them will be left on top of another. They'll be completely thrown down. That got their attention. They did not understand that. That was a big deal. And so now, we continue on here. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus makes a statement like that and it was hard for them to digest. So they go to him privately because they really don't want to talk about that publicly. That's one of them like private Jesus sessions. You know, some of you, you know, let me tell you something. Jesus is saying things to you now that you might need to actually go have a private session with him to understand what it is he's really trying to communicate. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered, watch out. Say watch out. That no one deceives you. Here's what we know about the last days. There will be deception. There will be deception. And he says, be careful that someone doesn't deceive you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. How many will be deceived? Many. Not a few, a lot. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Okay, so what you're seeing on Fox News and CNN looks like scary stuff happening. We're not to be alarmed by that as believers. We're supposed to recognize that that's going to happen and we don't have to freak out about it because you know what? We've taken what we've seen on the newsroom to the prayer room and got heavenly perspective. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So just because you see things happening doesn't mean like, you know, it's all going down tomorrow. There's still more time. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. What does birth pains mean? There must be what? A baby. And what is this baby? This is this baby called heaven coming to earth. The heavenly Jerusalem is coming to earth. I want to tell you something right now. One of the things that has operated in the Christian mindset today is called escapism. 
It's how do I get out of something? How do I get raptured out of what's going on? Here's the reality. We're not called to live forever in eternity in heaven. Heaven is going to live forever on the earth. That's what's in this book. When you read it, that's what you find out. What's, what is going to happen is Jesus is, there's a bride being prepared for this groom and his name is Jesus. And what happens is Jesus and his bride, Jesus makes things ready to welcome his father to the earth. That's what's going to happen. So we're not designed to get away from this place. We're designed to actually rule and reign in this place with him. Who are the ones going to do that? The overcomers. The ones who overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's those people. He goes on to say right here, verse nine, listen to this. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Wait a minute. Is that in your Bible? Make sure, read it again because I didn't like that. (laughs) You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. But I thought they were going to like us. We're nice. We're actually cool people. We feed homeless people. We like care for the elderly. We look after the widow and the orphan. Why would you want to hate that kind of person? Shame on you. Sounds like something the devil would do. Shame on the devil. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. See, we're called to be salt and light. Why would you hate somebody that wants to turn on the light and preserve things and make them better? Doesn't make any logical sense, does it? But Jesus said, you'll be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, and people will hate you on account of me. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Say many. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. That's a lot of many's in there. Because of the increase of wickedness, say wickedness. We're doing this together, church. (laughs) The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I'd underline that. The one who overcomes and stands firm to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. A few things here before I jump over to the book of Revelation and start, you know, messing with our minds, okay? Everybody's saying, you think about the book of Revelation, everybody's like, it's like, gets heavy. No, it's going to be fun. It says, when wickedness is increasing in the earth, the love of people will grow cold. You want me to tell you a great example of what that looks like in our modern world? The border of Mexico. Seriously. There's been so much turmoil, gang violence, murders. And, and you know what happens? It's like fear and terror spreading. And you know what it does? It paralyzes people. They have no quality of life. And I hate that. Because you know what my Bible says? My Bible says that the righteous shall live by faith and they are as bold as a lion. And we need to be like, bring it. You can't stop us with a bullet. You couldn't stop Jesus whenever they hung him on a cross. You know what it did? It set him free and empowered him to completely rule and reign the earth through a church, through a body. But you know what happens when wickedness is growing? The love of many will grow cold. 
Who are the ones who are going to grow cold? The ones who don't have the spirit of God in them. That's not for you. That's going to be for the world who doesn't know Christ. You are called to be an overcomer. It says, stand firm to the end that you might be saved, and the gospel must be preached to the whole world as a testimony to the nations. Now, I want to flip over here to the book of Revelation, and I'm going to pick up here. What I just read to you is a prophetic declaration that Jesus made to his disciples. Jesus on the Mount of Olives told his disciples of an event that was going to take place in their lifetime that was going to absolutely be difficult for them to understand. What was that event that took place is when the Romans came in and decimated the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD. We're going to do a little bit of historical stuff here so I can put some things together. Back when I was in college, we had something called human agonies. I mean, humanities. And, and it, was, it was a struggle, Miss Linda's looking at me going. <laughs> Here's the deal. I had this moment in a class when all of a sudden it was like the anointing dropped with history, man. And it all made sense to me. I was like, oh, this thing is, this thing is like history is good. It's all right. It's not my enemy. Okay. 70 AD, there was a lot going on before that. Before the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus prepared his disciples for events that were going to take place. We call that biblical prophecy. Jesus was prophesying to this group of people. Why? What, why is it that he wanted to do? He wanted to prepare them for what was coming that they could not control, that they could not stop. All they could do was be in faith and follow the voice of God and live through it. That's it. So now, what was it that actually happened? When Jesus, you can, you can read these different um, perspectives. The one I just read to you is in Matthew. You can also read it in Mark chapter 13, verse 1, and Luke chapter 21, if you just want to jot that down. Jesus warned the Jewish Christians in the city to flee or they would die. This is not one of those scenarios. It's like, you live in a flood zone. Sir, do you realize you live in a flood zone? Yep. It's all good. Here comes a hurricane. Cat five. Sir, you need to leave your house. Nope. Next time you come by with a, a, a motorboat, he's on, sitting on top of his house, man. He's like, I'm not leaving. You know? He's like, I pray to the Lord, man. Uh, he, he's going to save me from this, man. You know the story. God sends him a boat, a helicopter, and, you know, who, who knows, the Coast Guard. And he dies and he gets to heaven. You know, he's like, I thought you were going to save me. And he's like, I sent you everything you needed to get out of that situation. But you weren't listening, you know. Jesus told these disciples that trouble was coming. He said, if you stay in the city, you will die by famine or by battle. Okay. He says, when you see this coming, flee Jerusalem. And that's exactly what many of the Jewish Christians did in that day. And that's probably what John the Revelator, the Apostle John, who wrote Revelation did. He left. Now, bef during this time, um, the first great persecution that kind of came into the church happened around AD 65 under an emperor named Nero. You ever heard of him? Nero was not a hero, okay? Nero was after destro destroying the lives of Christians. 
And the things that they did to Christians during that time are unbearable to think about. They would take Christians um, and they would, they would ask them to recant and to deny uh, that they believed in God and to, in Jesus Christ. And, and if, that, if that particular follower of Jesus stayed true to their faith and they decided they weren't going to, they would begin the process of torture. And uh, maybe it was prison, maybe it was beatings, maybe it went from prison beatings to now we're going to carry you into an arena, we're going to clothe you in animal skin and turn lions loose on you while they maul you to death. Or maybe it was we're going we're to crucify you to a stake and burn you in, in, a, in an arena. And, and, and check this out, because you don't think humanity can get any lower. The arena was actually filled with people cheering at the life of these people being destroyed. Kind of like, you know, MMA, but with a little twist to it, you know? Um, I want you, I wanna, I'm going to talk about some things tonight that here's the first thing I want crystal clear that you to understand. That Jesus is victorious, and when I think of suffering, when I think of persecution, I look at it through the lenses of what has already been done at the cross. That any suffering is not lost. Any persecution is not in vain. And, and we in our nation have mild forms of persecution today. It's increasing, it's growing. So my job as, a, as, a, as an apostolic leader, here's a word for you, is to prepare you for things that are coming so that it's kind of like preparing a soldier for battle so that you don't end up on a battlefield and go, what's the M16 thing? <laughs> you know, you got to turn this way. No, it's like, we're going to show you how to lock and load, man. How to, how to actually send one down the line. Okay, and, and part of that down the line is, is you laying your life down, not counting your life as your own no longer, and realizing that there are different forms of persecution happening today in the lives of Christians, but that will increase, and it will increase in different ways, in different contexts. Um, and I'm going to get into more of that, what's happened around the world to prepare us and to prepare your heart to not grow weary, to realize you're called to be an overcomer, to stand firm to the end. Nero began persecuting Christians, and a historian um, named Tacitus records this persecution and slaughter of multitudes. Two famous particular Christian leaders that we all know of were martyred under Nero's emperorship. One was the apostle Peter, who was crucified and hang, hung upside down, and the apostle Paul, who was beheaded. Now, what is, here's what I want you to see. It's been in the book since the beginning. Persecution and suffering is not a, it's not a new concept. It's actually what has been happening since the beginning. Jesus told his, he told his disciples this would happen. Nero committed suicide in AD 68. There was a crisis of leadership in Rome and afterwards, there was political chaos. I want you to see a picture of this for just a moment. During this time, after Nero committed suicide, that nation went through four different emperors in one year. Could you imagine if we had four different presidents in one year? And pick your personal persuasion, 
Republican, Democrat, liberal, you know, progressive, I don't care. Four different extremes of leaders in one year. Can you imagine the social, political chaos that was going on? This is what Christians were living in. Now, we think we got it bad when our, we're, we're believing God for our bills to get paid. Or, you know, um, somebody on Facebook, you know, just sitting nice to us, you know. Let me tell you something. It can get a whole lot worse. And the reality is it will get a lot worse, but will we be prepared? In AD 66, Jews in Judea revolted, and shortly afterwards, Vespasian returned to Rome to assume power, and his son Titus continued to war against the Jews. And listen to this, hundreds of thousands of Jews were slaughtered. And it was during that time that they captured Jerusalem. Um, and every bit of this is not just hearsay. You can actually read about it from a historian named Josephus. History can, you know, reading history can be a, help, can be help, a helpful tool for where you're going in your life to not allow fear to control you. This happened exactly the way Jesus prophesied it to his disciples. Not one stone was laid on top of another. It was completely destroyed. Now, what are you going to do with that? What do you do if you're a follower of Jesus and what Jesus said happens? You're living in that moment. Is he still a good, good father? I mean, we sing it, you know, is he still in control? Am I still going to give him my allegiance and my love and my, and am I still going to serve him and love him? Or am I going to shake my fist at him and say, where are you? Why are you doing this? See, all those things are pretty normal to go through a process. But whenever you are a born again believer, you have his spirit to comfort you, to cause you to be an overcomer in the worst of times. I want to look at Revelation chapter one, and I'm going to read through chapter one, picking up in verse nine. And I'm going to kind of just unpack some of this for you tonight. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion, say companion. companion. Listen to this, companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Jesus said, I am your brother, I am your friend, and we're in this together. I'm suffering as you are suffering, and I've even been exiled to an island because of the testimony of the word of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you right now, he's not on that island because his testimony was, well, I used to do drugs and drink. That's not why he was there, although it's great to have that part of your testimony, but the testimony is about Jesus Christ. That he is the Messiah, he is the living God. There is no God but him. That's why he was on the island. When we begin to preach that way, definitively, unequivocally, making no mixed bones about it, man, there will be pushback. 
It's what put him on the island. Now, here he continues to say, on the Lord's day, which is Sunday, I was in the spirit. Man, I can't think of a better day to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. Right now, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It's a mouthful. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands or menorahs. That's like, you know, flashlights in Hebrew. (laughs) And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And one day I just happened to Google the sun. Do you realize how many nuclear explosions are taking place in the sun to give off the light that it does? Thousands upon thousands of these explosions are happening. And John is saying, that just hit me in the eyeballs. Now you know why he says he felt like dead. That's what the next, the next phrase When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. When you come encounter with the man, you are going to be undone. John is undone. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive and live forevermore. Those phrases actually come from uh, this description. This language comes from several different Old Testament imagery that um, is found in Isaiah 44. Um, If you want to write that down in Isaiah 48. Holy and true comes from Psalm 1610. The key of David, Isaiah twenty-two fifteen. That's where those phrases were coming from. And then he tells John, he says, I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the se- are, are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, a lot of people, when you talk about, we're going to read through Revelation, everybody starts freaking out because it's like, I can't understand it. It's weird. All right, let me, let me, let me help you with this. Let's start with this. John was given this revelation. Jesus wants to give this information to a church. Why? So they can understand how to live for him. This is not meant to be uh, unable to be deciphered. The whole point was for it to be written in such a way that the church would know what was being said and not the Roman Empire. 
God's trying to give us, his team, inside information of how to be an overcomer. And so it's written in this revelation. So when you come to the book, don't come to it with this heavy, man, I can't figure this out. There's all these weird symbols and stuff like that. No, take the time and let's figure out what those things mean. And then it will actually be encouragement to you whenever you need to overcome. Does that make, isn't that awesome? It's good. I like it. So now after I want to kind of set the stage in talking about Jesus you know, giving the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. And I wanted to talk about, you know, the, the political upheaval in the Roman Empire with Nero and, and what was happening around 65 AD. There was all of this persecution that began on the church. And then you start to see Christians dispersed and scattered. And, 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 and John goes to the island of Patmos and he begins to write this letter. And Jesus is about to speak truth to his churches. And he sees this son of man shining in all of his brilliance and glory. And what's going to happen is in chapter two, John's going to begin to give message. He's going to begin to talk specifically about these seven churches. Here's just seven things that come out in uh, John talking to these churches. I'm just going to share with you these seven particular things. And I'm going to talk about the seven churches more specifically. The first thing is the angel, the, the, uh, the addressing of angels. Um, let me say this. Angels are referred to through the entire Bible, specifically in the book of revelations, angels are referred to, I'm talking like celestial heavenly beings, heavily. They're relied upon. The Lord uses them to do his will. There's no reason why I shouldn't expect this to be a real angel. Now, there are different of differences of opinion about that. Some people interpret that as being pastors of churches in um, the book of Revelation. I feel like just, just to communicate to you that pray about it, read more, and, and get more, you know, um, just understanding there, because there's no reason why it couldn't be physical angels that are being addressed here. Uh, two, there's the description of Jesus. The book of Revelation is to unveil the man of Jesus, the man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's the main point of the book of Revelation is to unveil Jesus in all of his brilliance, all of his glory, and what it's going to look like as he rules and reigns on the earth and, and, and things that are happening uh, during the Roman Empire time. There are reproofs. Uh, there's a call for repentance. And if repentance doesn't happen, there's warnings of him coming and having to bring judgment. He calls the hearers to obey. And, and this is my favorite one. Ultimately, number seven, it's about the overcomer. It's about the one who's willing to stand and overcome what's happening. Now, the seven churches, he says right here, right to the seven churches, there are the seven stars and the seven lampstands. And he says the, that the seven stars are angels and the seven uh, churches are these lampstands. The, the number seven represents completion. It represents uh, fullness, if you will. And so what you can walk away with understanding this is, first of all, that the Lord is saying in these seven churches is the operation of the fullness of his spirit. 
that in these churches, we're going to see what the fullness of his church should look like. And he also makes reference earlier in, in chapter one, um, verse four, he talks about the seven spirits that are before the, before the throne or the sevenfold spirit that is before the throne. All of that speaks to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God in his church. Um, you can also see, and this has been talked about with, with different teachings out there, that each of these churches can actually represent um, types of churches that have existed for, for hundreds of years. The church of Laodicea. What, what do we know about the church of Laodicea? It's, 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 it's lethargic. It's indifferent. It, it thinks it's healthy, but it's not. And there's many people that say, well, they can see like this, that, that type of spirit operating in the church today in America. Okay. So there's different types that you can see in these particular churches. When um, John began to write to uh, the churches, there is a prophetic address that begins with each of these churches. To the angel of the church. Now, um, Jesus specifically begins to relate to each of these churches in a different way. When you go through chapter two, you read about these seven churches and some of them were lethargic. Some of them um, were, had compromise going on. Some of them um, allowed teachers and leaders in their congregations that were not teaching the truth, but teaching heresy. And what you find out is the Lord begins to rebuke them, correct them and call them to repentance. Now, out of these seven churches, there were two churches that actually had no correction from the Lord. Two churches, Smyrna and Philadelphia. You know what is fascinating about those particular churches was persecution. I find that very interesting that the ones who were actually enduring suffering and persecutions were the ones that didn't actually receive a correction because listen at this passage from 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, 1. I'll say it again. 1 Peter 4, 1. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Something happens when we have to endure a little bit of suffering. Something gets purged out of our life. It's kind of like getting in the gym and beginning to lift weights. There is something that's going to happen. If you stay with it, you get muscles. Come on. Some of us need a little extra help, a little testosterone. So, but if you stay with it, you will get muscle. We got to make this a little bit funny because I'm about to you know, share some stuff that's, that's a little deeper. But we'll, we'll, we'll have some anesthesia right now before we start the surgery. Um, when we actually have to like, you know, live this thing out and we come under some suffering and some persecution, we begin to decide, I'm not 
going to go through the same sin that I go through. It's kind of like the person who's paying the price in the gym and you see marble slab and then you, you go, I'm going to have to work really hard to get that off. And so you all of a sudden that, that pain you feel in the gym makes you not want to put stuff down your gullet. You know what I'm saying? Gullet, gullet right here. <laughs> Stay with me. Now, Smyrna and Philadelphia didn't have words of correction. But the other churches, listen to this. Um, the guilty churches had to turn from their disobedience to receive forgiveness from Christ. Here are some of the internal and external problems that was going on in the church. The Christians in Ephesus and Pergamum and Thyatira are dealing with false teaching and compromise. Um, do you realize how much like false teaching and compromise happens in our own country? It's going to get worse. It is. We have entire denominations that are embracing things that God can, says is, a, is abominable. But yet, but yet they say God's okay with it. The Lord gives time for repentance. What do you think happens when we don't repent? Well, he just goes, well, I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to, I'm going to, I really want you to, I really want you to repent. Not because he needs your repentance, but because we need the repentance. The repentance is for us. He is God. He doesn't need to repent. Repentance benefits you and I that we begin to receive the blessings of heaven. So false teaching and compromise, Sardis and Laodicea were, were hampered with complacency. Have no need of God. I have no need of a move of God. I have no need of your word. I am healthy and whole. Why do I need your God? Smyrna and Philadelphia are experiencing persecution from the local synagogues and Pergamum from the Roman authorities. In, in Turkey, there was a pastor because of a particular persecution and suffering that took place in 2007, a terrible tragedy took place in 2007. A massacre took place in Turkey. And a particular pastor, I can't pronounce his name correctly, so I'm not going to try. But he said, don't pray against persecution. Pray for perseverance. How many of us would actually pray for that kind of prayer that we would not ask for the persecution to be dissolved, but we would actually pray for perseverance to endure. Jesus told his disciples they would have trouble. Jesus showed them what victorious living looked like, that he is an overcomer. That overcoming does not necessarily mean that you don't die physically. Okay? Jesus proved that. He was, was he not victorious? Did he not die? He died. In the death, was he resurrected to immortal life? I mean, he had all power and authority on the other side of this deal. There are many people who think that suffering and persecution and martyrdom was something that happened in the Bible, but it doesn't happen today. 
Let me tell you something. When you turn on the news and you, you read stories um, about, you know, groups in the Middle East, like ISIS and different ones, um, they, are, they are murdering Christians, okay? One of the recent stories I've just read about was a group of Christians in Syria that have been taken hostage. Several hundred people were taken hostage, okay? And they're burned alive. They're beheaded. They're killed. I watched, uh, and some of this stuff is, it's so graphic, I can't go into all the details, but one particular um, video that, that I watched of our, of our brothers in, in Iraq was they were walking them out to almost like a docking area where, uh, where you, a boat would dock to and was just shooting them one at a time, just come like cattle, bang, 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 one after another, countless people. See, we don't, it's not in front of us every day, so we don't live with that reality. But we have to, like Jesus, be prepared that in the day that things shift and change in this nation, are you going to, is your faith going to go away? But see, if you prepare for things that could happen, then you're, you're not going to be in fear. You will be in faith. You will know that, wait a minute, I'm called to be the salt and the light. Salt and light. So... In Turkey, in 2007, I'm going to read to you a little bit of an account of what happened. Lo and behold, what I did not know, after I read this story, there was a lady in the first service who came up to me at the end of the service, said she was in Turkey when this happened. Had no idea. It encouraged me because, honestly, you know, the first service got the first round of me getting this out, and it was just not that easy. To, to, to share some of these things, to, to take these kind of scriptures and to synthesize them and to bring this to you and say, church, we have to be, we have to observe and pay attention because it's not a lot of rah-rah and it's not a lot of, you know, things that just you get hyped up about. But you know what? Honestly, if we take this with the spirit of counsel and might, as we receive counsel, we take, we get might, then yeah, we can get excited in the same way as our brothers and sisters who went before us, the same way that, that Jesus said that, that he, you know, he counted it all worthy to go before the cross. It was joyful to him to suffer the cross. Joyful. Why? Because he saw our faces. A professor I had while in, in college, I, I came across some of his writings he was in Turkey at this time. He's done a lot of archaeological work in Turkey. And, um, and I want to read to you a little excerpt from, from one of his writings that has to do with this. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to ask you to put these faces on the screen. These are the three men, three godly Christian men who had families. And one morning... Um, in April, they uh, hugged their wives and kissed their children goodbye as they left in the morning to go to their office to meet five Muslim men who they thought were seekers about Jesus. And they were preparing to have a conference at that time. And uh, so there were people inquiring. And so they only, um, they did not solicit these guys to come 
to listen about Jesus, they actually approached them and wanted to know more. So they were considered people who were interested. They're seeking. Um, and so my, this, this professor who I had wrote this uh, short, story, short note, and I'm going to read part of it, called In the Presence of Martyrs, a Reflection from Turkey in 2007. Recently, Dindi and I attended a funeral here in Izmir. I have attended many funerals, but this was my first in Turkey. And it was also the first time I attended the funeral of a martyr. I have been teaching and writing about martyrs and martyrdom for many years. We live in biblical Smyrna. Smyrna was the place that Jesus warned the church he said, many of you will be put to the trial, to the test. The devil has come to test you. He will put some of you in prison and some of you he will kill. He said, endure for 10 days. This is the same, biblical Smyrna. We live in biblical Smyrna, noted as the place where Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, was martyred in the second century. But such martyrdoms are personally and historically distant. Do you know what that means? He's saying, we don't, I don't really live near this kind of situation. This is not the, the world I normally live in. And for us, we don't really live in that world either, just to be frank. I mean, the most persecution we normally get is if we work with a coworker who like, doesn't like Caleb. Then on April 18th, 2007, three believers, Nakati, Adin, and I can't pronounce this next gentleman's name, who was also a, 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 someone from Turkey, and Tilman Geski, who was a German. So there's two Muslim natives and one German missionary. Both of these um, Muslims were converted to Christianity. We, they were tortured and murdered in the southeastern city of Malataya. Needless to say, this brutal act deeply shook the Christian community, both national and expatriate. Persecution in Turkey to this point had taken the form of harassment, intimidation, imprisonment, but never death. That's a pretty typical model. Harassment and intimidation. Do you think harassment, intimidation is happening in our country today? Yes, it is. Should we be afraid of it? No. What can they do? Beat up this body. But we need to observe and understand that these things have an order. Harassment, intimidation, imprisonment, and now death. For three hours, these men were br brutally tortured. Um, let's kind of look and make sure the age of our, our group here. I'm going to be very, very real with you. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I, I'm going to hit some of them. Um, one gentleman was stabbed over a hundred times. 
they disemboweled them. They dismembered them, cutting off fingers. There are lacerations in places that I'm not even gonna go into. And finally, being cut from one ear to the other. This went on for three hours. Why don't they like us? My Jesus says to love your neighbor. My, my God says true religion is caring for the widow and the orphan and the poor. What is there not to like about that? Why would you not like someone who loves people and cares for people? So you can't logically come to a conclusion because see, it's not, it's an anti-Christ spirit in operation. It's not about making an appeal simply to someone's mind, but it's about an understanding that there is a conflict, cataclysmic conflict in the spirit realm. The spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist, that spirit that was operating through these men, whether they realize it or not, is, this, is, is a demonic spirit that comes from Satan himself, like what was operating at Smyrna in the Bible that we read about in this book, but in 2007, we're watching it play out. Up until this time, Turkey is still considered a secular nation where people are allowed to worship however they want, but it's become increasingly more anti-Christian over time. Here's where, here's where ultimately the rubber meets the road. This is where I, I really want us to walk away with tonight. Jesus has called you and I to be overcomers. We might not have that situation to have to overcome, but I'm going to ask you a question. You know, we have something to overcome. And, and no one should seek out martyrdom, okay? The other team does that. Christians don't seek out martyrdom. Christians don't strap bombs to themselves to go blow themselves. That's not a, a, a Christ follower, okay? But there are other people who are told that you will make God happy, you will please God if you go blow yourself up and kill other people in the name of Allah. And that that will, that will please God. And here's what I want you to understand. Many of these people do this out of sheer ignorance that they, they, they don't know. And here's the question. If somebody doesn't go tell them, they're never going to know. So these men paid a price to be salt and light in a dark place. And I'm here to tell you right now, there is places in our city right here in Pensacola that need salt and light. And when you go there with light, the enemy is gonna try to push you back. And are we just going to throw our sucker in the dirt and go home? Or are we gonna be willing to do what these men did and stay the course? 
I want you to hear what the most memorable part of the service was the day they had the memorial service for these men. It was when the widows of Tillman and Akanti shared their hearts with the congregation. Do you want to know what these widows said? These men know not what they do. Sounds like somebody else. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And to the entire Muslim world, to the entire country of Turkey, on the front page cover is this Christian woman's face saying, I forgive you. Now you want to know what was, that shook that nation spiritually. See, it's that kind of message that needs to be heard to our world. I'm not here to condemn you. You don't know what you're doing, but I forgive you. And I will pray for you and I will love you even if you persecute me, even if you rip my flesh off my body because I don't own my life anymore. I am bought by a price. See, that's living a life no longer intimidated by fear. But guys, I don't know if we're gonna get to that place if we can't get over just selfishness. Selfishness. We won't forgive our brothers and sisters who are not persecuting us. They just aren't nice. I want to encourage us that I believe the Lord is saying, come up higher. He has given us this word to show us how to be an overcomer, how to stand firm to the end. I want you to hear what not only these widows said, but tears came to everyone's eyes as Nakati's son began to sing, Jesus loves the little children of the world. And I'm here to tell you right now that there are men and women who do not love Christians and they are absolutely persecuting them. And there are people around the world who are doing terrible things to those who, who follow Jesus. But that's not the end of the story, folks. We know what the end of the story is. That he comes back to rule and to reign and he brings justice to the earth. That as we work our way through the book of Revelation, you find out that there are souls at the throne room of God, at the altar of God saying, give us justice for our blood. There, are, there is blood that is being spilled and it is not in vain. And I want to encourage you, young followers or older followers of Jesus Christ, do not love your life. Don't love this life so much that you're unwilling to lay it down. And tomorrow, you will have a hundred different ways to lay down your life. A hundred different ways. It may not be that way. Maybe it will be that I'm not going to gossip anymore. Maybe it's going to be I'm not going to have unforgiveness towards that girl or that guy anymore. Or I'm going to forgive that person who hurt my feelings. I don't care what it is, but you need to go to the cross 
and find out who you really are. That's where we get our identity from. And I love what what, what Greg has told me in the past of his own encounters with the Lord, that, you know, you take that cross and you turn it upside down and it becomes a sword. That cross is not just a place for shame. That cross is not just a place to remember all the bad things you've been forgiven of. Turn it over and begin to use the sword of the Spirit and fight a good fight of faith. Don't let what you watch on TVs dictate your day. Just don't. Don't let radical Islam make you fear every Muslim. Don't. And here's the real reality. Here's the real truth. Yeah, bad things happen to good people. Jesus was as good as you could get. And bad things happened to him. But his life was in the hand of his creator. His life was in the hands of his father. And he showed his disciples how to overcome evil with good. Linda, how many times a year now does reimagine happen? I'm sorry. Six times a year. Reimagine is in areas of our city that need light and salt. The whole point is reimagining that community when people come together and show the love of Christ and meet people's needs right where they are. Well, let me tell you something right now. No, Satan doesn't like it. He doesn't like it when people are loved on and the, and, and the message of the gospel of Jesus is given out. And let me ask you a question. If someday God forbid it to ever happen, but pushback really came, do we stop? No, you don't stop. You don't stop because the enemy pushes you back with some persecution or some suffering. You know what it should do? It should embolden you to realize I am right where I need to be. Because if I wasn't that big of a threat, he wouldn't be working so hard. Just know when you begin to experience a taste or a touch or a measure of the enemy trying to beat up on you in that way, the spirit of the overcomer lives in you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I just pray right now tonight that each and every one of us in this room tonight would not walk with any fear. Lord, I pray that we could take the story of our brothers and sisters around the world who have paid a price by shedding their blood for their faith. Lord, I pray that their resolve would refresh us. Did you hear that? Their resolve would refresh you. Lord, I pray that despite the things that are coming, that we will not give in to the spirit of this age. For the spirit of the overcomer lives and dwells in us if we have trusted in Jesus. 
some of these things has brought fear to your heart, if some of these things you've watched on TV, if, if some of this end time stuff has been heavy for you, I want to break that off your life tonight. And I want to tell you the reason why I started teaching this was for one reason, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Lord, I pray tonight that you would release joy over each and every one of us in this room. If you're in here tonight and sometimes standing for your faith has been intimidating you, you have felt intimidation to truly make a stand to be a follower of Jesus, would you be so bold as to stand to your feet and say, I want Jesus to strengthen me tonight. I don't want to be intimidated anymore. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet? Every head bow, every eyes closed. This is between you and the Lord. If you have felt intimidated by the enemy to stand up for your faith, then just stand up right now. Because I'm telling you, if you can't stand up right now in a room with everybody's heads bowed and their eyes are closed, you're not going to stand out there when the pushback's coming. There's only one reason why I want you to stand right now. It's not for a popularity contest. Those of you who are standing, just remain standing. I just want you to begin to pray to God right now. I want you to begin to ask him to give you the same strength that he gave Stephen who was stoned to death. When people are hurling words at you to make you feel little and small and makes you feel insecure about standing for Jesus. I want you to think, pray for the same strength that Peter received whenever he had to argue and debate and defend the reason why he was a follower of Jesus, that you would receive the same strength, that you, my friend, can give a good defense for why you believe in Jesus too. That you don't have to go to theology school to be able to have a good defense. It can be as simple as, I was lost and dead and now I'm alive. Father, I just pray right now over each person that is standing right now. Lord, I pray that a wave and a surge of strength, God, would just fill them. Would you pray with me, church? Just pray for a moment right where you are. And, and don't look around. I just want you to intercede. I want you to pray that boldness would come upon these who have felt intimidated. Boldness would come upon them. Lord, we just ask right now, the way the apostles prayed in the book of Acts, give us a spirit of boldness. Lord, I pray right now <clears throat> that a spirit of boldness would come upon each one of these who are standing. That, Lord, when the enemy comes to test them in the same way you had already prayed for Peter, 
you have already prayed for them and they will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony in Jesus' mighty name. Can we just worship the Lord right now? God, we worship you. We thank you. Would everybody just stand to your feet? Let's just stand to our feet. Just lift your hand. Everybody, let's just lift our hands and let's just thank him for a moment before we go. Lord, we just thank you right now. Lord, I pray that we would be counted worthy. Listen to me, guys. If you get put in the crosshairs of the enemy for your life to be taken from you, I'm here to tell you right now, that's an honorable thing. Count, man, consider yourself worthy to be that big of a threat, to be that big of a target. Lord, I just thank you right now that you would use us to shake the nations again, God. Lord, I pray that we would be nation shakers again. That, Lord, I pray in the same way, God, that the Moravians sent them out, God, two by two, one-way tickets to their destiny. God, I pray that each and every one of us would take our ticket and that, God, we would go where you called us to go, preaching the gospel of the truth of the kingdom of God, that we would not shrink back. We would not shrink back. I rebuke shrinking back in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, right now that we will stand because great is he that is within us to make us stand to the end. Lord, we repent of compromise. We repent of false teachings. Lord, we repent as the seven churches did. God, that we have given ourselves to foolish, lustful things. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would restore us and you would refresh the church of America and that you would revitalize your bride in America again to be a forerunner nation again. God, I pray right now, let it begin in Pensacola. Let it begin right now in this house right now. God, let it begin in our city again, God. I pray that a sound would be heard around the world again. That you would launch something out of this place that is supernatural, supernatural and unifying to the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Man, let's give the Lord another shout of praise. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Listen, those of you who are watching on the live stream, we just want to tell you, make Jesus the Lord of your life. We thank you for watching every week. If you need prayer tonight, I'm going to have the prayer team come up right now. And if you need someone just to agree with you, to pray for healing in your body, man, that's why we're here. That's why we carry a big bottle of oil, man. We, 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 we do this. So if you need prayer, we love you. God bless you. You guys have an awesome week. Make Jesus famous this week. Amen. God bless you guys.